0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Green Room Podcast with Neil Griffiths presented by The Handshake Media. Thank you for listening to this episode, and it's another good one. I promise this isn't coincidence. For those who know me, know that I love The Office. Obviously, early this month we had Paul Figon, who has executive produced the show and directed a bunch of great episodes. And today, I've got Creed Bratton on. Yes, the Creed Bratton from Dunder Mifflin. Well, not really. It's his real name and his fictional name. Get off my back. Anyway, Creed came on the podcast to talk about uh, his Australian tour. He's actually coming to Australia in 2021. He was meant to come uh, in February this year, and then he got pushed to June. And obviously now with the pandemic, he's been pushed to 2021. At this stage, he is scheduled to come to Australia next March. But even he says he, he wants to come. He intends to come. It all depends on if the border's open. So he's hoping... On this episode, we talk about that tour, what's been going on in the US as far as the pandemic is concerned in the last eight to ten weeks, Um, and of course, we talk about The Office, his start on The Office, his relationships with people on on the crew and and cast, the set, uh, the final episode, his thoughts on season eight in a post-Steve Carell world, and we talk about that and a lot more, so check it out, this is Creed on the Green Room Podcast. Creed, thank you for coming on the Green Room podcast. It's um, it's great to meet you. I was hoping to meet you in person when you were here, uh, but because of this thing called COVID, not possible right now.
1: I know. And by the way, thank you for that inter- introduction. You know, that was fantastic. I, <laughs> I've got my my I got the hunky wavos You know, my my heart is swelled up with those kind words. No, you're you, welcome. Always, you always have heard everything that I've recorded. It's amazing. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks.
0: It's, it's what Thanks. I do best. It's all thank downhill you. from here. Thank uh, you. Craig, thank you so much for coming on again. Um, it's been an interesting time for, for you and your career as far as Australia is concerned. You were originally scheduled to come to Australia in February. Uh, and right. then got, it got pushed to June. Right. Um, obviously, now with the pandemic, we're looking at March 2021.
1: That's it. Unless, unless they won't let me fly down there, I'm going, you know. I'm planning to walk on stage with my guitar in a big hazmat suit. I'm going <laughs> to <and> play. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it.
0: How are things looking over there? I mean, um, I don't know if you're aware of the Australian talk right now. Uh, I guess the consensus is international touring won't be possible till 2021. Is the same vibe happening in the US?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we we don't um, foresee anything live until next year, and, and still, no one knows for sure if that will be live. It really depends on, of course, uh, how many more people are affected. If if it if it dwindles down, or if there's a resurgence of this. Obviously, we can't take chances. We have no idea what the future uh, awaits all of us. Uh, it's uh, its spooky times, but I think we have to keep um, positive and not let the negativity uh, stop our creativity and our good humor, for sure.
0: I'll get into all the all the fun, hilarious stuff in a second, but I, I think we do have to start with that. I mean, you've obviously had an a incredibly successful music career. Have you seen anything like what we're experiencing right now?
1: Uh, no no, nothing like this nothing like this no no Uh, i can't remember uh i wasn't around for the plague even though they think i'm all that old you know (laughs) (laughs) but when i when i was in england in the 13th century how just give us a couple of stories that'd be great where
0: where were you when when the u.s got shut down were you on tour were you planning to to do more shows or were you kind of in a uh, well, down. like I
1: said, I was I was planning to come down earlier, but then the fires happened mm. and they, they told me I said, well, how is it? Can I can I could I come down and perform? And they said, yeah, but the, the, the entertainers are finding that they have to have oxygen tanks by the side of the stage. And I went, well, I don't think that's going to work for me because it's, it's pretty, you know, singing and <gasps> live for a day and then going over and deep breathing. and then coming back and trying to fish, finish the next stanza. That yeah. might be a little rough.
0: Yeah, we, I read an article, I think it, was, it might have been the New York Times, and they were suggesting that a lot of the U.S. artists, because obviously touring won't really happen much at all this year, a lot of their, no. their touring will now happen in 2021, which for Australian fans could mean we're not seeing U.S. artists in Australia till 2022.
1: Well, I'm going to be down there in 2020 unless they won't allow me. Good. Yeah, I've, I've already, I've already bolt, bailed out on you guys twice. I'm not going <laughs> to do it.
0: So what's your 2021 looking like? I mean, obviously, you're coming to Australia in March. Are you right. essentially booked for the rest of the year?
1: Well, well, I'll be down there, then Austin, New Zealand, and then uh, Britain, then uh, Europe, the continent. And we're talking right now about South Africa, but we haven't locked that in yet. And then probably at the end of the year, I'll do my obligatory uh, go up to cross Canada down the West Coast, which I like that run. I've been touring for 10 years pretty solid right now, promoting my albums. And uh, I, I, love, I love doing what I do. I'm lucky that I'm still physically able to do it and have fun with it. Um, but right now, we're just kind of waiting to see. But if if it looks like it's going to lighten it up, then we will book more shows, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah right. It'll be your first tour of Australia.
1: Yes. Have you
0: yes. visited Australia before? No, to-
1: no, I haven't. Really? no. Okay. And uh, I'm telling Eric uh, Abel, my uh, manager, I said, God, I just, I, everybody that I meet here from Australia is so cool. You know, they really are a bunch of cool people and they, they just love life. And I said, I got to get down there, you know, and play my music. So uh, that's it. That's the plan. You know, I and I really hope this all works out right, you know, this time.
0: It's pretty great that you get to kind of dip into different generations. I mean, obviously, a lot of people know you from the grassroots. Um, Obviously, a lot of people know you from the office. Your show incorporates a bit of music and a bit of comedy, right? Right. It's half and half. Exactly. What kind of comedy? Do you mean stand up or is it all music based?
1: Well, basically, what I do is I, I come out and I'll tell not a whole joke, just maybe just the first couple of lines. And then I'm setting the joke up, and then I'll run off to the side of the stage and peek out to see how 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 the people are responding. And if I see they're kind of bemused or like, well, let's, then I'll go out and finish the joke. That so then do the same thing with the music. Just cause I cause I I I'm a slow star. Once I get them behind me, though, I'll stay up on stage and finish finish the show. Yeah, yeah. That's that's.
0: <laughs> well, know I know, I know you did, you did obviously you did a bunch of interviews earlier in the year when you were initially scheduled to come out in, in February, then, then June. Right. Right. Since, since then you've actually, I didn't realize that you did the office ladies podcast. Um, right. Right. So much fun. Th- so many little fun facts that came out of that. Is this, I mean, I've considered myself an office diehard. Was it like very public knowledge that you did the, the phone interview, the, the mine ride?
1: No, nobody knew that. Yeah, nobody wow. knew that. Nobody yeah. knew that. Nobody knew that I had uh, spoken in the diversity day. You know, with Phyllis, yeah, he, I was yeah. talking about satanic plots and stuff, and they went, "Oh my God, he spoke!" He's, <laughs> his, his voice is on there. So they paid me, but I didn't. I didn't. I said, "Okay, it'll it'll work out fine," you know, and it did. Obviously, you know, mm.
0: it's I mean, it's pure coincidence. But uh, last week's episode, we I had Paul Feig on, Um and obviously, he's directed a bunch of those very famous episodes of the Office, oh, including yes. Halloween which is Creed's big coming out party, essentially, uh, rather is. than just being a background character, you now are officially, you become one of the customers in that great scene, Steve. Listening sure. to that Office Ladies podcast, I was shocked to hear that the scene where Steve, sorry, Michael fires Creed, they also shot the scene where Michael fires Devon, and the producers kind of told you guys, one of you is going. In real
1: life, they we didn't shoot it the exact way. I, I think th- the deal was that uh, Devin had already an offer to go do a stage performance. Right, so he'd already he already said he was doing that. But I kind of feel that obviously if if they'd have gone the other way around and said we'd like you to stay, you know, he 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 would have stayed. Of course, I I think so. But it wasn't it, they should the way they shot it was the way they shot it. They didn't have they shoot anything else but that. Um, but there, there was always that thing that people thought that uh, I actually, in a way, got him fired. <laughs> but it's I didn't really. He's like you were still good friends. And uh, it was the character that did that, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry. <laughs>
0: well, I know, like you said, you, you and Devin are good friends in real life. When, yes. those, when those conversations were happening, did you and Devin kind of sit down and be like, you should leave? Did I, like I,
1: I I I hired a big uh, big guy, you know, like that Mister In Between kind of character, to kind of <laughs> to kind of lean to kind of lean on him a little bit, you know. Just to, maybe she just go walking, mate. Yeah, you know, take, take a little walk here. Go on, yeah. go on there. Uh, have you have you? Um, I love that show. I love that guy. He's great. Mm. Um, have you read the book um, by Andy Green? the Rolling Stone writer about the office. He just, he just had this book. No, no. Uh, yeah, it's really good. It's really okay. good. There's, there's some great information about the show. If you're a big office aficionado. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I was just, again, listening to that podcast. So many little fun facts were coming out from that. But the, one of the things that I, I loved when you mentioned it was your meeting with Ken Quapas who obviously mm. was, was a fan of your music. Yes. And gave you, he gave you his number and you said you never really call people and try and talk business, but you did this time. Why did you have this intuition, I need to call Ken Quabbas?
1: There's the question, uh, uh, Neil. Uh, intuition, how, how, do, how, do you, how do you say, oh, well, I planned it. I didn't, You don't plan intuition. Intuition is that little voice. Where does it come from? Does it come from you know, your subconscious, your brain? The soul from the other side of the veil there's a lot of places where where this stuff supposedly comes from or You know could could come from I all I know is that throughout my life. I I hear uh And not necessarily a voice. It's just a thought a thought impression Oh I better do this and if I don't follow the instructions I always regret it So when I had that little thought vision that you like call ken Copus and ask I didn't doubt it at all. I just did. Now I'd, I've never called the director before. I've, I've been working in the business for quite a while, doing movies and television and stuff like that, and music. People think that was my first show, but no. You look on IMDb. I've been working a lot before mm. that. Um, and he was he was he was so gracious and stuff like that. And he uh, of course then I shot my own, as you know I shot my own scene and gave it to him and uh, Greg, and they found it funny, and so they gave me that that six and a half page with Steve which was, you know, that was a very scary, scary deal. But once we got in it, it was, it was great fun. Obviously. I love doing it.
0: It was there a part of you though, that when you're, cause again, you, you have you had a very successful music career and still do when these offers of, of TV roles come into it. Is there a part of your thinks, Well, hang on. Do I, do I want to even go down this acting route full time? Because I, I imagine the office kind of would have taken up a lot more of your time than it did when you were doing, hot rolls beforehand
1: uh i've always done both of those things neil it's, it's like i've ever since i can remember when i was 17 i started working professionally up in the mountains playing guitar in a bit with a band old with the older cats i was 17 there in their 20s and stuff i was playing lead guitar then um started acting i was a drama major in college that's how i that's how i went through school so i've always done both it's always been back and forth uh, they let us off a little bit to do movies. I remember I did uh, this movie that went to Sundance called Terry, which I'm very pleased with that work with John C. Riley and Jacob Lukowski. Mm. And that was when the office was on. Since then, I've tried to uh, avoid doing the Creed character per se, because I feel there's I've already done that enough. So there's there's no for so as far an actor, uh, I did this thing for Blue House, uh called. Uh, into the dark, where I play this nasty villain. Uh, I've done other stuff too, uh, where I play different kinds of people. As long as I can stretch myself as an actor and I feel like I'm growing as an actor, then I'll do that. If it's just the same old thing, I'm not interested and I would prefer uh, touring and playing my music. But mm-hmm. if somebody gives me a part that went, oh boy, I can show, I can really show off this part of me that they haven't seen yet. That's exciting it's also got to be a little scary it's got to be something that i can fail at and make a mistake so that's like that's the tightrope thing that, that gets artists going okay let's take a breath but just go do this you know mm. uh if it get boring and i'm phoning it in then then you won't see me around because i'm only going to do it if there's a challenge involved
0: is it is it interesting to think back like looking back at season one and this is with no disrespect to any other, of the other cast members, but The Office made a lot of those careers. You, Steve Carell's, your John Krasinski's, uh, even Ed Helms, The Office kind of kicked them off. But you obviously had a, a successful music career going before that. You were, I guess, had a, a front row seat watching these actors really go from nobodies to superstars. Steve Carell, oh my obviously, gosh. in particular.
1: Well, he had, already, he had just um, done The 40-Year-Old Virgin when we started that that second season. Yeah. We went to work. There was a big billboard. So he was already a legitimate star at that time. And that movie really did it. Mm. So now that movie made him a star. He just happened to be on The Office at the same time. So it was pretty serendipitous, I would say, for sure, for Steve. And, be, not, and because he's also one of the most talented comedic actors you'll ever see. Amazing. Is it true that The 40-Year-Old Virgin kind of helped um
0: the office season two carry on because obviously the season one reviews weren't great. Season two started getting streamed a lot more, people started watching and it made NBC go, okay, we need to keep this show. The fact that as you mentioned, Steve was in 40 year old version, which was in cinemas everywhere, did that help the office momentum kind of kick off? Well it
1: couldn't hurt it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it certainly couldn't do us any damage. Of course, it it must have. It must have. You know, it it all worked out.
0: People always, especially if you ask people who are fans of the UK office and like they're diehard fans, they'll refuse to watch the US office because, you know, you can't tamper with Ricky Gervais's product and it's amazing. I've always said, and I love the UK version as well, but the US office has so much more heart and human emotion. If you go back and watch the David Brent episodes, he's hilarious and he's funny, but there's not a lot of connection there. And you, again, on the Office Ladies podcast, you summed up perfectly in in the scene where Michael is having to fire someone and he really doesn't want to. There is a big difference there between Michael Scott and David Brent as far as these are two men that, yes, they're annoying and they want to be loved and all this, but Michael cares. Michael actually cares about the people he works with. And I think that's what... Really, I mean, from that second season, really starts to tear away from the UK version. of That there are all these characters, and yes, they're weird and they're funny, but there is heart. They are the after human connection.
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons uh, people can handle rough stuff for just so long. But sometimes people, the people want uh, a, a good, sweet, warm spot around their about their heart, you know. And I think we we gave them that. And I don't think it would have. Uh, it couldn't have lasted nine seasons if it was always abrasive and mm-hmm. rubbing against the grain. I don't think it would have. Uh, it also, like you said before, we we were very fortunate for it to uh, uh, coincide with streaming starting. We were the first one to to that streaming thing happen, and it was just uh, because now we become you know not there's not no bragging involved, but it's it's now office as part of the zeitgeist. It's just it just is, and that's just because uh, serendipity. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. Things, things happen. And, and, we're, and we're the lucky recipients of this.
0: Was there any moment on set or any particular episode where you thought, okay, we have something here. This, this is not just a fun little show we're doing. This is a real big thing.
1: People tell me that I hear other actors mentioned that they knew it at a certain time. I never, I never thought that. I thought there was a gradual, uh, just a gradual rise of I'm, I'm, my hand is now here below the TV coming <laughs> up slowly. And now it's going to area. There we are. Coming there you go. I up. can that see it. Right. No one else can. It's a podcast. Yes, Back yes. <laughs> podcast. Oh, uh, uh, it's just, yeah, I don't, I think people in, in 20 people have twenty twenty hindsight in retrospect, they go, well, yeah, I knew it then. I, you, you can't be objective if you're the object You're in the we're in the we're working, we're working every day, 12, 14 hours. So I don't think there's ever a moment. You know what? I think we've got a hit here. <laughs> yeah. I think I think about after the third season when people are starting to come up to you in the in the in the supermarkets and and hit you on the street, and all of a sudden you and you're going. To, I fly to New York to to to, to a and people on the street are going, hey, Cree, we'll, you know, you wait, wait a second. Maybe something is happening. Yeah, after mm-hmm. a while, of course, then you realize people recognize you, which is a weird, weird, surreal kind of thing to occur. Because I'm from a little town up in the mountains, and even though all my years with the rock band and stuff should have made me more uh uh worldly nah, nah <laughs> I, don't you worry i'm still your basic guy <laughs>
0: <laughs> um i said before paul fee came on the podcast last week and he was kind of telling me some stories here and there um it'd be great to hear your take well firstly on halloween obviously he directed that episode which was creed's step out yes. from just a guy in the background to being a cast member yes um, did you and Paul have a lot of conversations about how that scene would play out or was it very much, Craig, here are the lines, go for it?
1: That's it. That's wow. exactly it. That was exactly it. And I think you heard it on the podcast too that uh, when I got there, I knew the lines backwards and forwards. I mean, I was ready. I was ready. And I used to do this for for parts that, uh, uh, this is the, but this I never had parts that were this many lines. This is six and a half pages. This mm-hmm. is a lot of dialogue uh, between us. And uh, then they said we have changed, rewritten <laughs> it and changed it. That was, that was nervous, but once we got once I got in the heat of battle, it was fine. It was just fine. But no, there was really nothing. No one ever said anything to me at the time how to, how to do this, this go just if you're going to be funny, sink, sink or swim kind of thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: And what about um, goodbye, Michael? Paul kind of told me a bunch of stories that happened on that week long shoot. Steve saying goodbye to the cast. What do you remember of that? of that shoot.
1: I just remember it was a very, very hard moment to say, I'll see you tomorrow, boss, knowing that that was the oh, last time I, I was going to be. <laughs> Jeez, it was, it was rough. But we were, it was, we didn't want to talk about the finale. We didn't want to talk about that scene that Michael was going, Steve. I still see Steve around town, you know, and he's just a, the a sweetest, wonderful guy. And I haven't seen Paul Feig in a long time, but he's, he's, he's a, an amazing gentleman, just an mm. amazing gentleman. But yeah, that was rough that was rough and uh, a lot of us thought we should have just stopped um, after Steve left you know there would be a good there'd be a lot of valid points for that too but then again there were some moments uh, during uh, eight and nine and then when we got the finale I think it all it all came together again for that finale so mm. that was that was that was a good thing. I love the finale yeah well, like I said
0: I mean I've, I've watched the office ten times over. Tell me about season eight, because for, I guess, people who are binge-watching The Office, going from a show with Steve Carell and then season eight without, it is a big transition. And I remember watching it going, I'm not sure if this works Uh anymore. But I've, again, I've I've watched it tens of times now. I love season eight. I think James Spader fits in perfectly. I think it showcases every other character, probably more so, obviously, because Steve's not there to be the centre of attention anymore. What do you remember? And I guess looking back, what do you think about season eight?
1: Well, I think that uh, a lot of us thought, well, maybe you know, it's it's going to be rough without him. But there is also the possibility that we're going to be, have a chance to show a little more, like you say, of what we can do. But I, I have to agree with you. There were some. There are some moments with Spader and uh, Will Ferrell and uh, and Kathy Bates and stuff. who were hysterical. It's not, there wasn't all, it, there were some great, really funny moments too. And yes, the cast got a chance to do, to do some more stuff too. Yeah. And we also got, Ed, Ed Helms got to shine a little more too, which think, is great, which is great.
0: I think Ryan Wilson said in an interview a couple years ago, he didn't feel that Spader connected, not as a person. I think just the character of Robert California didn't fit in with that office group of characters it was just too far left did you feel that way or were you a fan of the robert california character
1: i i thought he's just so fascinating as an actor and i just uh because it is james spader like he's james alleged. spader it's james spader and and i have to say maybe maybe selfishly i was so busy um uh watching him work and i talked to him you know he, he's on the way to set we we talk walk together and talk and uh, he, he's one of these guys who had a photographic memory. He could just glance down at his lines, bam, memorize it just like that. Wow. Fucking bastard. Jeez. <laughs> horrible. Horrible thing to be able to do. Someone like me has to struggle over his lines, you know. Yeah. <laughs> work and work. But uh, no, I, I i thought it's not, it's it, its just comparing. It's not fair. It's not Steve Carell. But in its own way, it was weird and, and kind of wonderful what Spader did. And the contrast it just made it was just different, you know, apples, pears, that kind of thing. So uh take it for what it is. If you don't like it, then don't watch it. Mm. That, that kind of thing. no i I I enjoyed spader and uh, and maybe it didn't work uh, like it used to, but it was it was just different. And you could say that in Idris Elba too, you know there maybe that wasn't all, always hilarious, but it still worked in its own way. It did because he's a great actor. And to believe so, believable.
0: Did Spader get on with the coming, I mean, looking, I mean, I wasn't there, obviously, but looking at the way you guys interacted and still the cast seems to still be great friends. Did Spader fit in with that? Or was he very much a guy, almost like visiting friends?
1: I don't know about that because, again, I'm just there. I'm, I'm pretty much in, uh, well, I am, not pretty much. I am in character on on the set. So I went to I was I was I was that nervous uh uh filibrating creed, you know, ready to self-implode at any moment. So I'm consciously being aware of that most of the time. Mm. All the time. And uh I just didn't take it home with me to that madness, obviously. It would be I'd be in jail, just like the character. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um I don't know. I, I didn't pay much attention to the the the, the politics and stuff like that. I just, I, I know that was, I know it, what it went on, but I don't even, I don't know what it is because I wasn't involved. So yeah. I just, uh, I uh, I like Spader. I like Spader. I love Spader. Yeah.
0: And yeah. I'll argue with that with anyone that season eight yep. is actually holds up really, really well.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. He's uh, he's a great actor. And, and just to see him do what he does, you know, I learned, I learned a lot from watching him work. I did. <sighs> You mentioned before the
0: finale. And I know I'm biased because I love the show. I think the Office finale is one of the greatest endings to a show ever. Sometimes great TV shows can have terrible endings. It happens. The Office, I think, nails it in every way. Almost everyone's story ends the way it should, down to the fact of Creed going to jail, which you probably <laughs> should have been in, by season three. Without it, a doubt. It hit every mark perfectly.
1: That's to uh, Greg Daniels' uh, credit. There was a man who is—you could see—he's—he's he, he's a very uh, say, taciturn individual, very cerebral, extremely intelligent, and uh, not demonstrative at all in, in a section or whatever like this. But when I was when I was do- when I was doing my my monologue to the camera with the beard outside, it was it was dark outside. I could see in Greg's eye him getting emotional, because he cares. This man cares about his baby, and uh, it was a, it was a wonderful thing. Um, he brought he brought a lot of heart, and he and it's and the, it may have heart because he loved it so much. Well, we all did, but this this was he wasn't going to let it go out and fall on its face with that one. He uh, we would we, they've been putting this thing together for months and months and months. It's
0: That's the last reality. scene in the in the show. Was it the last thing you filmed where Creed performs that song? Which I About, think very much, yeah. Wrote, wasn't it?
1: It was, the one, it was the last night, I believe, yeah. We were uh, – uh, we shot the scene already with, with uh, Pam taking the picture off the wall and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But at the time, I was sitting there uh, and I came out and we shot that scene and then we, were, we did the song. I think I, I mentioned this in the podcast that John put the microphone under his arm.
0: Yeah, I've heard and,
1: that, yeah. Yeah, to capture the, my, uh, and I had this old Gibson, this actually new Gibson, it was a Robert Johnson that the Gibson gave give me to play on the show. But for that show, I used my 57 uh, Country and Western to play that song. I don't think we talked about that before. This may be a first for you, Neil. Exclusive, yes. Exclusive 57 Country and Western <laughs> for that scene, uh, which is a, which I use uh, quite a bit on recording. Uh, I use that and my, my Blues King, uh, Gibson, a lot um no that was that was about the last stuff we were shot and then we were late of course getting to the uh the rap party too <laughs> yeah,
0: so what yeah. happens tell me like you, you played that last chord greg daniels calls cut
1: well i can't remember i know that was the last but I, we we probably continued on it's a blur to be very honest neil it's a blur i i it was quite a while ago too so I don't know what happened. Maybe there was still stuff shot afterwards, but I don't think so. I think that was, as far as I remember, well, selfishly, me, when, it's, when my thing is over, it's over, right? Yeah. Who cares what those other schmoes shoot? <laughs> 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 I don't know, but, but as far as for me, yes, that was it, yes.
0: If you were ever going to critique that show, for example, say in season nine, there are there are some people who think that they didn't like that Andy kind of turned into a to an asshole. He, he he built like obviously in season three he's nauseating, kind of from season four onwards. Andy is becomes lovable and you're rooting for him. In season nine, obviously he turns into an absolute ass. Him and Aaron break up. A lot of people didn't like that. Is there anything, especially in in post Michael Scott years, is, is there anything you think I would have done that differently, or I didn't like how that played out?
1: No, you've, you've in, as far as the ro- arcs and stuff like that, is, you know, even in a f- feature film, stuff like you can't just keep one doing that one trick pony thing. You've got to get them away, build up the tension so that there can be the resolve when you bring them back together. That's just the ebb and flow of life and the ebb and flow of writing. It has to be.
0: Mm. The final episode with when Steve Carell makes a surprise appearance, that line was originally written for you. Was that all smoke and mirrors? Were the cast- Yes. That?
1: They, were, they were just- Yeah, uh, yeah. we were all on at that. there was just to keep everybody from finding out about it. Yeah.
0: So how long ago did you know before that day of the shoot, did you know that Steve was coming? Steve was going to be in this episode?
1: We found out about that uh, a few weeks before. We had to really be had to be very, very quiet about it, you know, and not talk about it, you know. Mm. Like I said before, I didn't- I Even though he, I had mentioned and- told Greg that I wanted I would love to play my song for the finale I didn't know until the table read that that was occurring that's one thing I didn't find out till the table read and that was just a bit quite an emotional moment
0: Oh you had pitched doing that song for a while had
1: you? I pitched it during the uh, the talk he had which was several weeks before the uh, several weeks before where he had I had all the actors come into his trailer and discuss what they thought their their, their characters should do. And I originally said, well, I have this song that I wrote right after I left the grassroots, more of a uh, spiritual in a way, seeing people that you alight around, that you recognize, you feel kindred with, but you, you, you haven't met them before, but you feel connected with. I think if I was in Poor Richard's uh, singing the song to a bunch of people and all the cast members walked through the door, we saw their faces. It might work well. Now, I never heard anything about it until the table read. We're reading the script and there it is. Creed sings his song, All the Faces. And you can imagine how emotional that got. And Mm. then I turn around and they've got my guitar there for me to play. Yeah, it was a big one. Yeah. Are you going to play that at the shows? Oh, of course. Absolutely. We
0: know that, especially during isolation times, my God, everyone is asking for reboots and revamps. And, you know, obviously some of the cast members have been big advocates of bringing back. I know that you're not really interested in doing any form of, office reboot or a one-off special whatever, because the finale was so good.
1: That's not true. Oh, wow. That's okay. That's, that's not true at all. I, I told everybody that even though the boot was great, I said, if they asked us back, I, no, I would love to do, I've always mentioned I would love to play that character again with all those people. I just, what I've said though, is I don't think it's going to happen mm. because obviously Steve and John and Ray and Ed are also busy with, with big projects. I just don't see how it can be, but if they did come on, uh, Krasinski had a great idea about doing a Christmas special. Now that would be something viable. I think that could happen. I would yeah. love to do that. No, I'd be uh, more than eager to, to play that that crazy guy again. You know, there's still some madness left in the old man, Neil.
0: Craig, you're coming back in March. We can't yep. wait. God, I, we hope that.
1: I March- hope so too, mate. I really hope we get to get, get, get to get down and play for you guys. Hope you're there at the show.
0: Um, I, was, I was had tickets to the first show and the oh, second. Oh, okay. I'm awesome. so, so sorry. So horrible. I think, I think the venue you're playing in in Sydney doesn't have chairs, but I'll be in the front row.
1: Okay, well, make sure you let Eric know so you can come come back and chat afterwards. You know. Yeah, we can do another podcast and do it face to face. No, we won't. No, we won't. That's, come <laughs> on, please, <laughs> <Jeez. laughs> please. Right, thanks a lot, so thanks, Good man.
0: i really appreciate it. Great to meet
1: you. I appreciate it too, man. Great you. See ya! Bye. Thank you, man. Bye. (laughs) Isn't he
0: just the damn sweetest? That was Creed Bratton on the green room podcast. And thank you so much to Creed for taking the time out to join the show. If you want to see Creed Bratton on his debut tour of Australia, it kicks off in Brisbane on the 18th of March, followed by shows in Melbourne, Sydney, Canberra, and WA. Check out themusic.com.au and the gig guide for all of the dates and venues.